Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? back to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Tuesday night. You might be listening on Wednesday morning, but for our purposes, it's Tuesday night, March 15th, the Ides of March 2022. My name is Jake Luke, uh, and I'm joined on my screen by uh, by two friends here running a little three-man weave. Uh, we're joined tonight by Marshall, our uh, our young hitter of the, uh, the Twitter spaces. How's it going, pal? Going pretty good, man. Didn't know I was a young hitter, but Excited to be on here, you know, chop it up about the uh, Marcus Williams signing, super pumped about it. Um, you know, Eddie Goldman's visiting Friday, you know, some other AFC North talk, but, uh, you know, I'm pumped to be on. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for joining, man. We uh, we have definitely uh, noticed you in the Twitter spaces, and uh, you and Voss have struck up a little bit of a friendship, so he wanted to uh, have you hop on here. And, uh, yeah, we, we were more than game, so welcome. And I am also joined by Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. How's it going, bud? Hello. I am doing quite well. Very pumped. About uh, Eric DaCosta kind of gritty dancing in everybody's faces today. Got my blood flowing a little bit. I uh, had like a little bit of a, in, in the fan self last night, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, man, you know, last year everybody was like, the Ravens aren't going to do anything. And I uh, was like, last year I was like, man, yeah, they are. Just wait, just watch. They didn't do anything. And I was like, all right, yeah, well, it passed by. So yesterday everybody's down in the dumps getting all, you know, immediate reaction, first reaction, whatever. And, I thought to myself, I was like, yeah, whatever. If uh, if they don't end up, ooh, breaking news, Broncos have reached an agreement with Ravens tight end Eric Tomlinson on a one-year deal. Wow. Um, coming through the horn there by one. Wow. Wow. By Mike Kliss, who covers the Broncos for uh, nine news out in Denver. But ultimately, I was like, you know what? If they don't sign anyone right now, it's fine. It's whatever. Um, I'm not going to make a big stink about it because people are starting to get all crazy with their Eric DaCosta memes and everything. Um, so it was also funny because Ryan Mink got duped last night, I think by a, a fake Shefty account that I think got like around the NFL about Marcus Williams as well. So uh, those were no, all, that was, all that funny was honey badger. What'd you say? It was, no, it was Tyron Matthew. Cause I, Pardon I, me, Tyron Matthew. I woke up at like, I don't know why this happened, but I woke up at like 5am and uh, I saw a friend of the program, Ramey, uh, having a 
little bit of a panic attack, probably both seeing that the signing was happening and then seeing that uh, actually no uh, Mink, who listen, we love Mink on this program. He's had a rough couple of months uh, on the uh, the Twitter sphere as far as the Ravens go, and uh, yeah, that was a little bit of a tough scene for him getting duped by. I think it was actually a rap sheet account that had like a sun emoji as the the verification badge. So just a, a tough scene all around there for Mink, but yeah, well, it was made up for. Uh, later in the day. So continue. Yeah. So that was, that was funny. And then obviously, you know, just perusing on through the day and you just see a bomb get dropped. The Ravens signed Marcus Williams, the saints safety, 25 years old to a five year, $70 million deal with $37 million guaranteed. I believe he's supposed to have around a $7 million first year cap hit, uh, which will probably pop up to uh, in the mid mid teens uh, through years two, three, and then I'm sure the Ravens gave themselves a little flexibility, hence the five-year deal there. But getting a, a prime playmaker at a prime position, one that they have coveted trying to fill and uh, replace that that lurking free safety presence in the center field, playing in the post, being able to swivel the hips, being able to fill runs from the roof, do all those great things. Marcus Williams, very consistent player. So Ravens go get a second contract player, one that is heralded, respected, Seems like universally loved in New Orleans by teammates and fans alike, aside from one play that we won't speak of as he is now a Raven, so we will defend no, him. No, listen, we can we can talk about it. We we have to talk about it. That's part of the uh, healing process, right? And he's, it certainly he's healed is. Since I, I spoke about it earlier today, but you don't you don't want to you don't want to uh, dump on a man's. You don't want to be the the part of the dog's ass that listen, doesn't shine when the sun listen, beaming in the what day. happened to uh what ha- did any did raheem moore do literally anything in his career after what jacoby jones did to him very true raheem morris raheem morris raheem, raheem, moore. raheem moore. moore you're thinking raheem Definitely morris more. who's with the rams now as uh yeah coach. correct raheem raheem moore yep um so yeah marcus williams rebounded from that he has an awesome clip and in interview saying basically um i yeah he did have two picks in that same game very true but, um, you know, saying if I let that happen again, then I'm not a good football player and I should like retire pretty much. So um, you love to see that from him. And then just the outpouring of love that he got from even Jamar Chase um, chimed in about it, saying like, wow, the Ravens potentially, got Marcus he potentially signed in. I think we're still scholars are still kind of deciphering that tweet um, and the, the math, the the mental gymnastics that he was going through to call uh, him seven, which I'm still not totally sure what that was. But, uh, yeah, strange. Exactly. So very exciting. Eric DaCosta gets his free safety, ultimately gets a young, uh, consistent playmaker to go back in the post, be able to roam and patrol and be that that traffic cop back there and and enable the Ravens to play a little bit more so how they did with Earl Thomas in 2019, probably. Uh, So very excited there. Mr. Marshall, the the real Slim Shady, Mr. Yuri, what were your what were your immediate thoughts and reactions? Well, it's interesting because we were in a space last night, right up till like what one thirty in the morning, and we're just talking about the possibilities of uh, the Ravens just signing guys. And Voss kept throwing out uh, Marcus Williams, Marcus Williams, Marcus Williams, and we thought about it. It's kind of like the uh, the the gift you ask for on Christmas. It's really expensive. You don't expect to get it, and then the next morning you wake up and there it is in the driveway, or you know, however you, you want to spin it. But um, I literally cried, man. I cried tears of joy just with the fact that it was like, okay, I've been preaching all season, premium player, premium position, all that stuff. And the Ravens went out and signed literally the most premium guy on the market. So I'm, I'm thrilled with it, man. Um, the, you know, the, the spin I can put on that mini Minneapolis miracle thing is that, uh, he was the, his instinct served him so early. He was there so early that he just, you know, missed the tackle, but I'm pumped, man. I, 
words can't even describe the the surge of energy I had this morning, man. I was just like through the roof. Yeah, going to be 26 years old this season, I believe, five years, 70 million. And it seems like they're going to be actually front loading it. And also there's not going to be that big of a cap hit in the first year. So I'm really interested to see like how the final numbers work out. I think some of the uh, more smart cap people are kind of awaiting more details. Brian McFarland, things of that nature. Uh, so yeah, I'm excited to see how that plays out, but it does seem like, and McFarland said this on Twitter, it does seem like there might be room for another big move to be made here. So obviously that's something we're going to have to stay tuned for. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, it's just kind of like the same, same reaction as you. And like you Spenny, like when free agency opened, like Voss had made his little quip, obviously a couple, couple weeks ago that really caught traction about how they're going to wait a couple days and like do all this, you know, stuff. And Ravens like they, free agency really opens on the 18th. Yeah. And then they like, of course the first day they don't do anything. So I'm kind of just like, I'm kind of sitting there and I'm getting a little salty, frankly, I'm not really even commenting that much on Twitter or anything. Like I'm kind of just letting the moves play out and uh, analyzing them more on like an NFL wide level, as opposed to the Ravens. Cause I just wasn't interested in getting into the conversations with people that, were and I, Voss is kind of tongue in cheek with that comment a little bit. Other people are just getting so serious and so, uh, to use your word, toxic with uh, some of the Eric DaCosta just criticism. You know, not aggressive enough. We've been over this a million times. He's made aggressive moves. It hasn't always been uh, the right move necessarily. You know, and Gakwe and Earl Thomas very aggressive moves that didn't work out. And Earl Thomas would have worked out if not for the fact that he's a total shithead, as we learned. Um, but yeah, it just it seems to me like. And this was a, a point that we made in the spaces. I think I was only in it for a minute or two because I was driving back to the office from Chipotle when the news broke. So I hopped in there and, uh, I, you know, I had a quick little thing to say and listen to you guys break it down. And, it, you know, it just seems like making right on the Earl Thomas thing. Um, and they when they signed Thomas, he was 30 years old, but he was still a really good player. And he was a very good player for them in 2019. Um, but ultimately, it just it completely blew up in their face. They're still on the hook for it money-wise a little bit, and it's just a stain on their reputation. Now you go and get a guy who is four years younger than him or going to be when he uh, suits up for them ultimately um, for $2 million more per year. Uh, I think 14 is really what the final figure was, and that probably isn't exactly even totally what it's going to be. So it just seems like writing that wrong while also getting yourself a player who might be here for another, you know, I, I wouldn't say a decade necessarily, but he could be a high-level player here for five to seven years, I would think free safeties, you know, it depends on, I think it depends on injuries and things like that. But I think range and ball skills, instincts, some of those skills don't really leave you in the same way that other more physical positions do. So I love this signing, uh, very much and shout out to me for being a dummy because Voss was, he had been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. And then he was tweeting about it. And a friend of the program, Connor Rogers was tweeting about how the jets were like in active negotiations with him. So this morning Voss was, talking about it and I grabbed Connor's tweet and I put it under him and I was like, I'd, I'd love it too, but don't get excited. Basically poured cold water on it. And then uh, I had a nice bucket of cold water, soggy sorrows poured on my head. Uh, but you know, it's, it's okay. I'm happy to be wrong in this case. So. Well, it's uh, an interesting signing to say the least. He gets the seventh most AAV, but like you said, $37 million guaranteed is what you want to look at, especially in free agent deals. A lot of the big, you know, Andrew Brand, a lot of the guys floating around on Twitter, you know, a lot of these guys are going to be signing four or five years, year deals, and then cut in two years. And that's who ends up being free agents in free agent classes. And if you look at this free agent class for the NFL, that is what ends up being the case ultimately. But I don't think that's what Marcus Williams is. And 
again, it just it just goes with common sense at this point. And I'm, you know, the the common the common drunken fool, but the Ravens could afford to go make a giant signing. They could afford to go make a long-term signing at a really high hit. And that was the most effective way to to maximize what space they do have without having to bend over backwards and do things that make them feel uncomfortable or make them uh, dip into a different ideology they don't follow. And if you you like Eric DaCosta, you hate Eric DaCosta, whatever it is, you have to give him credit. He stays consistent, man. He stays consistent to his ideals and his philosophy. He trusts his process. And ultimately, it, it pays off. You see him just ecstatic in the video of the Ravens post, twirling Pat Moriarty around like a ballerina. I had to check and see um, that that wasn't like show. some kind of deep fake. Huh? I had to like check and see that that wasn't some kind of deep fake. I was like, what the? F-? Yeah, Cassie Calvert and the boys at the castle are just back there, you know, cutting it up on cutting it up on the deep fakes. Yeah. Uh, getting ready. But Eric DaCosta loves it. Um, you know, he stayed true to his process. He got the guy that. I've said his name on this podcast. Vaz has said his name on this podcast. We've said it 500 times. Marcus Williams. Oh, he's someone who fits what they've wanted for a long time. He's someone who's the right age. He's someone who's probably not going to, you know, be such a high profile player that he demands this kind of ridiculous contract that bends you over backwards. And it, it works for both teams. And they feel like they are getting some sort of value out of ultimately the cap is going to rise as well. So he's playing probably around $7 million as a cap hit in 2022, when it goes up to 13, 15, 16, whatever it is, it probably feels more like in 2022 terms that it would be like 10 or $11 million. So uh, Marcus Williams, a player that I started watching a couple games of, just immediately jumped through on the tape, started looking at Buccaneers games um, in depth today. And I think not like Ravens fans want to hear this or anything, but the first thing that stuck out to me is just that he is so natural at fitting the run from the roof at coming down and and kind of just as if he's mirroring a route with his hips, he does the same thing to a running back from really far out. He's really patient. He takes good angles. He keeps within his range. He has pursuit speed enough where he feels like he can be a little aggressive, but he, but he usually errs on the side of caution. And with that Saints defense, that Dennis Allen defense, as Cam Jordan, Demario Davis, Chauncey, uh, CDJ, whatever the hell his name is, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, can never, CG, God, I can never say that one as an acronym. Those letters don't mesh for me, but... Uh, those guys are so physical. They have this furious, ferocious, aggressive hitting defense up front. He's the traffic cop on the back end that kind of navigates through all of it. You see him communicating consistently and um, just gets avoided in the middle of the field. And the Ravens were, uh, by, according to Next Gen Stats today, were the, the worst team at defending the middle of the field in the deep post in the NFL last year. Um, and it, it protects your investment into Marlon Humphrey or your, your use of assets into Marlon Humphrey. And again, it feels like you can now work the triangle that they envisioned in 2019 and they did have great success with aside from a Titans game where you can work the triangle, you can have Humphrey and Peters who you trust in one-on-one-ish situations to, to kind of force things into the middle of the field, play leverage and allow Marcus Williams to dictate which one is going to get taken out. So whichever matchup you're more confident in, depending on Marcus Peters, depending on Marlon Humphrey and um, whatever it is, you can, you can force and dictate that matchup the same way that, For instance, you know, people hate talking about wink splitzing, but if you line somebody up in the A-gap, you're dictating the protection. So it's kind of forcing offense's hands. And again, teams don't throw at him. He's According to next-gen stats, he's like the the third least targeted safety since 2017, since he entered the league. So I don't think people uh, or quarterbacks enjoy throwing at him. He is not, you know, six foot three. He doesn't have like, you know, he's not this gigantic guy, but um, he's he's a little over six foot. He's got 32 and a half inch arms. 
and he just reads really well. And, and just watching Tom Brady in the two games I watched pretty profusely, there were situations where it was like the mm, moment for a quarterback. The pocket was clean for a moment. And you can see Tom Brady think, can I sneak this ball past him? And he never tried it once. I saw one, they run a, 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 a YY formation, kind of like a, we see the Ravens run all the time. They have two tight ends on one side. They have two receivers on the other. And they run both of the Ys on seam routes. And Gronk kind of emerges past the linebacker. You see Brady try to look it off. And you see Williams just sitting there in that test me bitch area. And Brady does not. So I don't think quarterbacks enjoy throwing the ball at him. He makes plays on the ball a ridiculous amount of the time. He fits the CGJGJ. Yeah, Basilios, there it is. Um, but he he fits balls. Or he, he, he is a deterrent of trying to make those kinds of throws. So you just feel his presence as a quarterback, it feels like. You know, looking through the quarterback's eyes, you can see them make business decisions and want to go underneath and, and continue through their progression more often than not. So um, it, it's it's just a really fun player that I think meshes really well. He's at the right age. I think he's going to play really well with Chuck Clark, who is somewhat similar to a Malcolm Jenkins on the Saints. Um, so I think Chuck Clark is going to have his natural natural pluses, his natural tendencies a little bit restored in a sense. Um so ultimately, you know, it's a guy that played 90 plus percent of 90 plus percent of snaps in the post as a safety, um, high alignments all the time for the Saints. So a guy who's used to playing a lot of cover three, there was a lot of split safety stuff, tough stuff too. You saw him disguising himself well. You saw him faking alignments where he's like trying to lean and like look like, you know, for instance, like as if he's a, a runner on first who looks like they're going to steal second. He flips his hips, runs the other way, a la, you know, an Ed Reed back in the day. So uh, ultimately, great fit, good age, durable player. It just feels like it's going to force the rate, force quarterbacks to make more business decisions and trying to lob the ball up and throw the ball up. So um, I, I just, you know, it made sense. It's made sense for a long time. And the Ravens value coverage. They value building from the back to the front. We've known that forever, and it just continues to support that. So I would not be surprised to see them attack cornerback in the draft early for a second round, something of the sort. So um, it, it, it's just a very interesting defense. That was Z's word from the combine too, was that they were doing their homework on cornerbacks. And we, you know, not to put anything out there necessarily like concrete, but we had heard that they were sniffing around on uh, a cornerback as well to maybe trade for. So the idea that, you know, you, you bring him in, you're going to invest in cornerback. It tells me a lot that like Eric Costa is, and I know this is a, another Voss thing that he was a little bit worried that he was, you know, too worried about grabbing run stuffers and not emphasizing the right things. And I think he maybe projected a little too much based off that 2020 offseason and to an extent 2021, but not really when you consider what they did in grabbing Owe. Uh, it sounds like his priorities are in the right place, especially in this division where you have the Bengals with that Hydra at wide receiver and they just lost CJ Uzama, which I think is maybe a little bit of a bigger loss. And people realize they're making some investments along the O line. Amari Cooper just joined the Browns. We're going to see, we're going to see what happens at quarterback there uh, with uh, the Browns. Feels like they're just out. feels like they're out on Baker and it's, it's not a secret. And I bet if you're at the combine, you know that they're out and, and mobile and trying to make a move for someone other than Baker at this point. Yeah, it seems like it. And Florio put it out there that regardless of whether or not they acquired a Sean Watson, who they're meeting with, Baker could be traded. So that wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, Baker's a Texas guy, so it wouldn't shock me to see him go in, in a package to Houston, um, even by his own preference. So, yeah, it sounds like 
it might be different there, and it might not be that hard for them to upgrade from what they had from Baker last year, given what I think of Kevin Stefanski at least. Mixed Trubisky joining the Steelers? I mean, that's a fucking weird offense, and he's not going to – I don't know. I think he's a better fit than people are kind of giving him credit for. I think they could win some games with him. Um, he doesn't really scare me, like, through the air, though. But their head is in the right place as far as the Bengals and potentially the Browns. And then, obviously, what the Chiefs have been doing, we know all about that. So this seems like a, a move that, um, to the people kind of complaining about the fact that they built to stop Derrick Henry and the Titans – it seems like a move that uh, very much is building to stop some of the more high-profile passing teams. Breaking moves. Gus Edwards alleges he was robbed at gunpoint outside of a Los Angeles strip club. Marshall, are you a big uh, TMZ guy? Uh, I try to stay away from the drama, man. Leave that stuff to, you know, the social media people who overreact over it. But, you know, Gus got in trouble at a strip club. No. Jimmy Smith got robbed last year, too. Ravens getting robbed. Wait, who did? Jimmy Smith got robbed last year in L.A., I think, as well. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I guess I forgot about that, too. Yeah, there's too much too much getting robbed going on. That's We got we to gotta cut that out. But all right, guys, uh, that's about 20 minutes on Marcus Williams. Anything else on that? Yeah. Justin, I, go ahead, Marshall. Yeah, I was going to say, man, um, the one thing that I saw that stood out the most for me is his instincts always serve him well when it comes to making that, you know, once he's the back-end guy on the defense, the single high, um, he always knows to put himself in the right spot. It's just more times than not, his instincts will serve him well. Um, I think for, you know, terms of comparing, I think you're getting Breaking much news. more than Earl. Sorry to cut you off. The Ravens have agreed to terms with veteran offensive tackle Morgan Moses. It will be a three-year. There it is. Million. Three years, 15 million. I thought it was going to be 215. Wow. I mean, that's that's – there you go. There's your offensive tackle move. So you got your safety. You got your offensive tackle. It looks like edge and corner in the draft. I mean, what, what, what is your guys' initial reaction to Morgan Mo- Moses? Another player. It's a law. It's a deal that gives you flexibility. It's minimizing that first year cap hit. It's making sure that you can get value elsewhere if you need to. It, it prevents you from needing to, you know, reach in the draft. It makes you comfortable that we also know. Well, we don't know, but what we've heard very profusely is that they're not unhappy with Juwan James either. So suddenly you have Patrick McCary, who you're confident being able to play right tackle. You have Morgan Moses, who I don't think he's missed a game in like three, four seasons, is a you know tier two right tackle, consistent, older player, consummate veteran, been around the block. He's just going to come in and fucking block. He's going to come in. It's going to be quiet. He's going to get beat here and there. It is like the opposite of an Alejandro Villanueva where it's like, this guy's an army ranger and he played for the Steelers. It's the exact opposite. It's quiet. It gets the job done. So now you have three options at right tackle. Um, I can't recall if Morgan Moses has played left tackle or not. I think he actually did for 155 snaps last year, if I'm not mistaken. So someone you're maybe confident in there, but suddenly you have a tackle room. Uh, So again, what do the Ravens do in free agency? They free themselves up for the draft. And if they get their guy, if they get the opportunity to go get their guy like Marcus Williams, they go and hunt it down. So um, continuing to, to just make sure that they're ultimately answering questions, providing solutions, and, and allowing themselves to draft with both hands as opposed to one tied behind their back. Um, is Morgan Moses an all-pro? Hell no. But is he someone that is going to be an issue in pass protection, essentially? No. Um, he is very, 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 very solid. I would I would really compare him to a Bradley Bozeman of right tackles, to be honest. 
He's just going to give you solid play. He's not going to shock you. He's not going to wow you, but it's it's going to quiet down your tackle room, takes the noise out, makes Lamar feel better, all that good stuff. So um, they also have the lottery ticket of Juwan James as well. So that is even going to alleviate pressure from that. We might see him end up getting cut now maybe, uh, but if that's not the case, he's a $3 million cap hit player that's going to have no pressure to come back where you don't feel like, you're sitting there and you're like, man, you know, we, we trusted this Juwan James guy to be back by now. You know, you're not setting yourself up for failure. You're setting yourself up for success. So um, I, I think, you know, signing an Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks and other defensive linemen would make sense. Clayus Campbell, a uh, possibility to come back and uh, something of the sort, maybe a Derek Barnett, something like that. So great move for the Ravens. There's also Treader and Bozeman still floating out around there. So uh, to me, I, I like this overtaking a tackle in the first round, especially that's not kind of, a freak because offensive linemen take time to develop consistency and there's a lot of pressure that gets put on them. Fans turn on them. It, it turns into a very negative situation quickly when you're depending on a rookie to come in and play at a starter. If they do want to draft someone, if they do want to draft a Daniel Falele or a Rashid Walker or someone like that, they can sit, they can relax, they can learn, they can, you know, get their feet under them, get, get in their apartment, get their fam- family to come visit, feel comfortable, feel good, feel motivated hit the ground running. So it just answers questions, buys time and puts you in a position where you don't feel like you're screwed. Three penalties in 2021, four sacks allowed. I mean, that's like you talk about Villanueva. This is not Villanueva. This is not DJ Fluker. This is like a legit option at the position. And you know, with the Jawan James thing, we'll see what happens, but that's just kind of a, kind of a lottery ticket. Like he's making no money. And uh, yeah, like to your point, it just feels like found money. If he gives you anything in 2021, Marshall first uh, thoughts on, Morgan Moses. Yeah, man, I, I've been waiting, uh, you know, few birdies, however you want to quote it, uh, said that Morgan Moses was out there. Um, so I've been waiting for this signing. I'm, I'm super pumped about it. Um, you know, you, you give that tackle depth that you're looking for. You don't have to rely on Jawan James day one. You don't have to rely on a, a rookie day one. Um, yeah, man, it, it, it checks the box for me. I'm super pumped about it. Now, you know, go out there, bring Bradley Bozeman or J.C. Treader home, and I think the offensive line's looking pretty good for the next year. It is, and that can, I mean, I'm not going to rule out offensive line in the draft either. Like, guard-wise, I don't know about the first round, but I don't know, second round, third round, you, you like a guy there that you feel like you could maybe slot in or at least bring in as, like, a Zietler replacement um, because, you know, he played well last year, but he's getting a little bit older. His stack strength on strength was something that was just an abject complete failure of a position group in 2021 uh i wouldn't rule that out at all so uh, i'm i'm very happy right now i'm just gonna say that because this this sign the william signing obviously was huge and like that's that's the big dopamine hit uh but this is just something that really kind of solidifies things at a position where there was and may you know remained a lot of anxiety and uh there you know things still aren't totally resolved considering stanley's health we have no idea if he's, you know, ever going to be able to play a full career, it's just like there, there's just so many variables with it. So that's just an unfortunate situation that we can't really account for. But I mean, this is kind of a good, good start at least. So, yeah, I mean, they pretty much, they have their starter at right tackle right now. They just made that happen. So big, big moves by uh, EDC. 2020, he played 151 snaps at left tackle. 2014, he played 125. So he's got a little bit of experience, but that's not his uh, not his necessary forte. He's never allowed more than six sacks in his career, which he allowed in 2016, according to PFF. 
Um, six sacks, 2015, every other year has been four, three, four, or five. Um, efficient, you know, he'll he'll get beat. You know, he's, he's not going to be able to go, you know, stiff A-plus pass rushers with no help uh, nonstop, but he's a good run blocker. He's an above average, you know, he's a, he's a solid pass protector. Ultimately, he's just going to, he's just going to quiet the noise. Yeah. It's not, it's not the hype of, uh, you know, the surge that we got earlier with Marcus Williams, but it's kind of like the, you know, I'll go back to the Christmas thing. It's kind of like, you know, the flashlight you get on Christmas, like, well, I kind of need this. Socks, gonna baby. eventually use it. Yeah, exactly. Underwear, socks, you know, they're like, ah, eh, I, I need that stuff. So I'm, you know, checks a box for me. I'm, I can't be mad about it. Everybody was yelling for, is Marcus Williams going to play right tack or centered? No, Morgan Moses is. So I'm, I'm super happy about it. PFF had him listed, I think, at like eight or nine million a year, if I'm not mistaken, um, as well. So it feels like they're getting good value there. And and that's the reputation, man. And ultimately, everybody wants to float this kind of, uh, you know, the, these narratives that, oh, people don't want to play for the Ravens or whatever, or they want to go to some flashy team, but... You just listen to comments like you hear from a guy like Justin Houston, who's been around the league, floated around. They're on the other side of 30. You see a guy like Justin Houston take a pay cut last year over some other options. Morgan Moses probably could have gotten more money somewhere. And you just hear that when you get to go play for Baltimore, it's just about football. There's no theatrics. There's no, you know, Jerry Jones, or there's no like crazy freaking quarterback situation that, you know, drives a bunch of insanity going on. So it's just quiet. You get to focus on uh, playing ball. So veterans love it. It feels like it's like, well, from what so many have said, Eric Weddle, you know, Tony Jefferson, all, all these guys come back and they say, it, it, it made me love football again. So uh, when you have that reputation, you can go get a guy like Morgan Moses, who how many teams would love to have Morgan Moses right now? I think the Bengals would love to have Morgan Moses right now, especially, and you're able to ultimately just sit tight Get a veteran like that. Get him on the cheap. Probably gonna have a two, three million dollar cap hit this year. Uh, they probably still have room for one more move that's a, a little more expensive than that, but nowhere near Marcus Williams. So whether that's a center, whether that's a uh, edge rusher, maybe a little bit of both. They haven't even dipped into restructure needs. So if they get the opportunity to go see a JC Treader, then you might see. Oh, by the way, Marlon Humphrey was restructured as well. Um, so so something like that. Suddenly. You're in a good spot. Now you draft one lineman, two linemen throughout the, the day two, day th- early day three picks uh, that you feel like, you know, have ability and can get comfortable and continue to add to their repertoire. And you've got a full chalk full room. You've got competition at left guard. And I mean, Ronnie Stanley, I don't know. Who knows, man? It's, it's 50-50. But if he's able to play some high level of football, you're just really cooking with gas. You're deep. You've got tackles on deck, all that good stuff. So. It's uh, it's a good time to to raise a little glass to Mr. Eric DaCosta for getting shit right. Yeah, I mean, left to right, if you get 90% of Stanley, even 80%, I mean, that's a pretty damn good left tackle. Ben Cleveland, I guess, right now at guard, and then Zietler at right guard, Moses at right tackle, like, that's pretty solid. And then fill in center with pick your poison between whether it's Treader, whether it's Bozeman, whether it might be Linderbaum. I know some people are kind of iffy on that, but... I mean, you got opportunities to turn this into a position group of strength, like I said, which is very comforting uh, given the way that uh, things just completely devolved for this offense after Stanley's injury. And, I mean, even amid Stanley's injury, they were still kind of putting it together in games via smoke and mirrors, I think, thanks to Jody Alessandris. And people don't want to hear it, but Greg Roman. Um, So having real, if not like premier talent, then just like solid talent that's just going to do their job for you and not commit penalties and not 
shoot you in the foot. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. So seems like they're well on their way to having that solved. Safety is solved. I mean, the secondary looks really freaking strong on paper. So things are, uh, things are cleared up boys. Uh, it looks like, um, looks like things are really kind of coming together ahead of this draft. And we've still got, uh, over a month to go. Morgan Moses has not allowed two sacks in a game since 2018 against the Houston Texans, which was JJ Watt got him for both. Um, just kind of grazing through. I have said on this podcast many times, I think PFF does a good job with offensive line grades, at least in my own biases. I end up feeling pretty similarly to them a lot of the time. When you're just looking through his grades game by game, there's not a lot of 90s and there's not a lot of 40s. He's in the 60s, he's in the 50s, he's in the 70s, he's in the, you know, reaches up into the 80s here and there. So you're just getting somebody solid, somebody that is going to quiet things down, make Lamar feel a little more comfortable. And it's, it's just... Very Raven signings. Marcus Williams, Morgan Moses, and Eddie Goldman would be. We'll see what happens with that. But very Ravens signings, ultimately, um, in that department. So, again, just freeing shit up for the draft, man. It, it really is. Marshall, how do you uh, grade the offseason for DaCosta so far? I know you're uh, you're kind of in the boss camp where you want these these primo <laughs> positions, a little more flash, a little more aggressiveness. What is, uh, what's your feeling there? Um... I had to put a grade on it. I think I put a uh, an A minus just hearing that Eddie Goldman little devalued run stuff and D tackle come in there. I had to take the grade down just a tiny bit from the A plus, but I have nothing to complain about right now, man. Um, safety is is one of my top training positions. Tackles another one. Uh, more you know Marcus Williams long term stability at safety, uh, high level safety play for you know the next five years in Baltimore hopefully, and then Morgan Moses is. Um, you know, I think EDC is ushering the era of stability uh, this offseason. I think he took a lot of pressure off himself in the draft, having to, you know, swing away and reach for a tackle there, 14 or 45, or, or overreach, overstep. He doesn't have to do that anymore. The pressure is kind of off of him. Um, so for me, it's an A minus right now. I'm, I'm super thrilled with it. I can't really complain. You know, I, all I asked for was premium positions, and Eric DaCosta is literally flooding my house with them right now. Spenny, what do you think so far? Doing what they always do, man. Doing what they always do. Finding the right player at the right price. Making sure you're getting a little bit of a deal. Um, yeah. So, I, I just, I don't know. If To me, it's status quo. I, I feel like it's so shocking, but it just feels like what they've done for years. It feels like these. this is the shit Ozzy Newsome did. It reminds me a lot of 2019, weirdly where they sat pat for a day or two and people started to freak out. They signed Thomas and then they signed Ingram right after that. And I know running back doesn't really compare to tackle, but it felt like kind of a need at the time. So they bring both of those guys in and uh, you know, they do the press conference together and it just felt like good vibes and business as usual in a good way. Are you on Adderall? Can you confirm or deny? I had one cup of black coffee and water until about 8 PM. That's all. That's my Adderall baby. Have you eaten? Uh, yeah, I had Din-Din. Okay. So the coffee, Fasted and, and ready to tap that ass in. You didn't just take that boom and loud straight to the veins. Okay. So not on Adderall. We can confirm that. So, yeah. I mean, ultimately, another another good signing, man. Um, I think there's one more. I think there's one more medium signing. I would say Morgan Moses is a small signing of great value at a great need that prevents you from saying, ah, shit, we've got a second round grade on Trevor Penning, but we don't have anyone to block for Lamar Jackson. We can't find anyone to trade a tackle to us. Shit. So it's, it's just ultimately letting you 
do whatever the hell you want. And uh, whatever the hell you want is probably going to be, I just keep, keep feeling like it's going to be a cornerback at 14, man. I think I'm going to end up saying that a lot throughout the next month and a half, but it, it <laughs> apparently I am on Adderall. Yeah. yeah he I'm has proof. Adderall. I mean, that's, that's breaking news right there. That's like, that's a Zurebeck bomb. If he More of a Vivance guy, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm in the realm. So that's, that's usually my methamphetamine of choice. I've never taken any amphetamines. I don't think. Well, grow the fuck up, Jake. Coffee, coffee gets it done for me. Uh, you're, you're, you're just a little coffee guy over there. You're just a little coffee guy, a little Frank Sabaka, a little, you know, a little, little, little coffee guy. Yeah, I am. Shout out to Marlon. Uh, maybe he's listening. Um, yeah. Okay. I guys. think it's time for Marlon to grow up and drink some coffee. Could be. Listen, I. What's going on with him? By the way, did he move? I don't care. I don't care. Marlon, Mar- I'm going to tell Marlon right now. Marlon, this is my message to you. Grow up, man. Grow up. Yeah, okay. That's... You got Marcus Williams back there now, man. Can't be fucking around anymore. I'm sure that's going to happen. Um, all right, guys. Well, I guess last thing we can do here is uh, you mentioned the Schmedium signing. I guess we don't really have to do signings. It's kind of hard to predict those. But, yeah, probably something at center. So, I guess predictions right now for the first round as things stand. What, what do you got? I know you. I know you want it, Marshall. I know you want it. I know you want that Booth man. Yeah, man. Um, Andrew Booth all the way. Uh, I, you know, the guy has literally the word Raven imprinted on his chest when he plays. Man, he just he's super physical. Um, he he's he is a head case in the run game. Um, everybody wants Stingley. Everybody everybody wants Sauce. You know, that's cool, man. Give me Andrew Booth. Uh, even in a trade back scenario, that that's all I want right now is Andrew Booth. If you want to share up the secondary. Or they can go with Jermaine Johnson, uh, Trayvon Walker if he falls. Um, I feel like the Ravens just need a guy there at 14, man. They just need a guy that's going to make plays, um, you know, pick your poison, whoever you want that to be. But uh, for me right now, you know, I'm leaning corner, edge, one of the two. Um, I just feel like the guy, you know, the Ravens don't need somebody who's going to take a while to develop. Um, They just need somebody to come in there and kind of, you know, set the tone a little bit. And I feel like that's, that's what Andrew Booth will do. That's what Trayvon Walker, Jermaine Johnson will do. Um, you know, if you want to go out, if they say this next medium signing is uh, is Darius Smith, then I'll open up my myself to more of a Jordan Davis pick of 14 or even in a trade back scenario. But I feel like right now, um, the the way that the offseason structured, the way things have been, um, don't don't go out and uh, and try to match what the Bengals are doing. I feel like you just need somebody that's going to, bring in some impact day one. And um, yeah, man, I'm all in on Andrew Booth. I'm all in on Jermaine Johnson, Trayvon Walker, um, even Devontae Wyatt, maybe a reach of 14, but I, I, I think he's the better player than Jordan Davis. But I think guys had the realization we got Garnet here in the comments. I think Garnet is the next captain defense. He really, he does put off captain defense vibes now that you mentioned that. I think that's a great. Uh, he says, Agent JJ11, the quarterback mercenary. Did I ever tell you Carter. about the time? Did I ever tell you about the time Eric and I walked past captain defense getting out of his car? Captain defense sat in my one section over from me for my entire life until I changed seats last year. Well, it was just the most jarring thing ever because you think of him as this like kind of cult hero, this mythical character that just appears out of nowhere. But no, he just like drives a Honda and he just like he parked it on the same street as us and he got out. He he opened his trunk and was like getting all his like accoutrement out and like putting it on. And I just thought it was like kind of a funny jarring sight. It's like seeing a teacher outside of school. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's my captain defense story. That is a funny way to put it. It was it was it was truly hilarious. I can't. It's like I can't really describe it, but it was it was great. Um, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I, I got a little bit of feelings in my plums about David Ojabo at 14. I just feel like, you know, bringing in McDonald, it feels like he might have a chance to fall a little bit uh, to them there. Uh, it just feels like that, w- that would be a good signing or a good pick there at 14, and it would obviously fill one of the bigger needs that they have now that they filled the other two. So it just feels like a, a right player, right fit, uh, modified BPA, as some people might say. So. Could certainly see it. Could certainly see it. Jermaine Johnson. I'm. Uh, you say Jordan Davis. That's gonna be. That's gonna be a long. We're gonna have a long, strong discussion. I'm gonna go back to the tape on Mr. Jordan Davis. I like so. Wyatt better too, for the record. I watched them both today. I uh, I can certainly see that. I think my, my I think Wyatt Davis might be a another player. Georgia boy. Think, it's it's Geno Atkins. I think Wyatt is a high impact pass rusher. But knows how to finish. That's all it is. Like Davis might be a better player. He's just a little more devalued, I think, for how he plays. Um, the Ravens don't lie to us, though, as I've been saying all day, and they don't take the DV dudes, the guys what, that have some a little oh, bit of domestic he? in their past. I did not know that. Okay, yeah, they probably get a that. scenario. He can't, apparently kicked down a door. I don't want to speak for the man. I'm sure he's a great young man. Um, I don't have anything to say negative about him, but usually that D word ends up detracting the Ravens' interest ultimately. Um, so anyone from the Georgia defense, fine. Anyone who plays cornerback and is supposed to go in the first round. I don't think I'm going to be a Trent McDuffie guy. Fine. Uh, it feels like people I've seen some people and like, this isn't like I'm hearing or anything hashtag I'm hearing, but this is more like I think like Lance Earline maybe was talking about how like NFL teams don't love booth in the same way that like we do, or it might've been, I think it might've been Connor Rogers and Trevor Sycamore. were talking about that. And those guys are connected. Yeah, I saw a lot of uh, a lot of mocks. Some there may be something off the field that we don't know, but I have seen them kind of slipped out into the 21, 25, more in the you know late twenties range. Um, I you know I, I don't know why there may be some off the field stuff we're just not seeing, but um, maybe it could be tied. I know he was he's not going to participate in his pro day because of a, a quad injury, I think. So it could be tied, or there's some type of long term injury that he's been hiding, or who knows? I'm not going to speak on it, but. Just something to keep, you know, keep note of. I'm pretty sure he did some, uh, Booth was a five-star. He did some pretty ridiculous stuff in high school. Um, He has, he, I'm pretty sure he already jumped like over 40 when he was like 17. So um, I I think he'll test fine whenever he tests. I think he'll test great actually whenever he tests. So all that good stuff, you know, trading up for Thibodeau is a little bit of an interesting one. I think we'll hear a lot in the next couple weeks too. Um, Things like that. So. But my my real question that I want to leave us with and I want to study is if you this is a I think there's a really deep defensive draft at corner. I think there's a really deep defensive draft at linebacker. I think there's some good defensive line options. I think there's a lot of places uh, that you need to or that you can fill with all those picks. And I'm very comfortable drafting defensive players in the second, third, fourth round and expecting them to contribute a little bit be a rotational player very early on, whatever. Who is the offensive player that they could draft at 14 that is not an offensive lineman, a.k.a. a wide receiver, that would take shit to the next level? That's my question. Um, who can you draft offensively that fits into what you have, fits into the, the immediate as an instant fire starter with what you already have, and fits in as someone that uh, is going to take things over the top? I have not watched profusely 
of this gentleman. I've watched two games of his. Um, I don't know how high he goes. Uh, receivers are very weird to predict where they go in the first round. Teams just like a guy, and, and it feels like it fits what they're trying to do. Traylon Burks, to me, is the one guy. I like Christian Watson a lot. We got him in the comments. I don't know, about 14. That might be a little too rich, but and maybe ends up being a Pro Bowl or whatever. But Traylon Burks breaks tackles nonstop. The Ravens need someone offensively who moves the chains, breaks tackles, and you can manufacture touches. Duvernay, you know, could be that guy a little. It just feels like he's not quite that immediate fire starter. As soon as the ball's in his hand, everyone on defense is like, rut-row. Traylon Burks is a big boy, breaks a lot of tackles. think he's a little more athletic with the pads on. So uh, asking that question is going to be something I want to pose over the next couple of months, especially if the Ravens fill things out a little bit more so defensively in the remainder of free agency. Yeah, dude, I've, I've Traylon been, Burks last night. Uh, okay, thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah, I've been <laughs> pulled up his uh, NFL.com profile to get his height. Um, but yeah, I've you know I've been saying it. Like, the, I don't think that they should just kind of completely disregard the idea of investing in wide receiver a little bit more, um, particularly if it's a guy like him who might have potential to play above the rim. Like they wanted Miles Boykin to be, but he was not. And that precluded them from taking a player like a, you know, you mentioned T Higgins in the slack today. Um, or even, you know, they could have taken Michael Pittman where they took Patrick Queen. Um, but yeah, I just, it feels like I like what they have, but they could use a little bit more and you can just never have enough wide receivers. And we talk about what the Chiefs are doing. They still had... Their core intact there. I think Sammy Watkins was leaving, but they made a run at Juju Smith-Schuster. Like they didn't really need to do that, probably. But I don't know. I just think it's a smart move to continue investing at that position. And holy shit, there's a lot of guys in this draft that like none of them are like super elite to some of the level that we've seen. I don't think, or maybe not none of them, but like I think Chris Olave is going to be a really, really, really good receiver. Olave, really yeah, fast. Olave is Garrett Wilson in another way. I think is going to be Jamison Williams is just an absolute firecracker, and he might. He might be available for them later on to maybe trade up for in the second round, hopefully, or end of the first if they want to get a little bit frisky. Uh, but man, there's going to be guys. There's there's guys on the free agent market. They've been linked to Jarvis Landry a little bit, which might be a move. I wouldn't necessarily love that from a fit perspective as far as what we're talking about for rounding out the group. But I don't know, man. I I like the idea of continuing to swing at wide receiver. I like Tylen Wallace a lot. I think James Prochet is fine as like a rotational option, but. Uh, you're one Hollywood Brown or one Rashad Bateman injury away. And those guys have been injured in their career uh, from having a little bit of a, a disaster at that position, in my opinion. So. Well said. So that's, that's kind of the question I'm going to trail with or, uh, or, or send us off with a little bit. Might have some dogs in the background here. Sorry guys. But um, ultimately I, I want to leave with that and, and start thinking about it. We do have the Baltimore beatdown big board. We already did edge rushers. Those guys we love, Jermaine Johnson, David Ajabo, Trayvon Walker. I would be fine with any of them. Those three cornerbacks, Stingley, Ahmad Gardner, Andrew Booth. I think I'm, I'm happy with any of those three as well. Um, but I do want to start asking what, what would really move the needle? What would flip the needle offensively to a point where it's like, uh-oh, the Ravens are a nightmare right now, especially if Ronnie Stanley can play. Um, so, so that's what I want to kind of leave us with. Let's see if the Ravens make another move. But for now, Morgan Moses, three years, 15 million, very good value signing An answer at right tackle. We got Juwan James back there can cut him. If you want to just roll with Moses, um, if, if you, you kind of want to open up cap a little bit and go make a deal for someone else, you got an immediate answer right there. And then Marcus Williams, five years, 70 million. 
I think we're going to see a lot of Marcus Williams jerseys next year. I think he's going to be a popular Raven. So awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. Very exciting day. And uh, who knows? Maybe they're not done yet. Maybe they got one more in the tank late night here as this free agent market slowly kind of goes from being wide open into, you know, kind of starting to get a little slim pickings here. Let's see what the Ravens do. Maybe we see Ricard back. Maybe we see Bozeman back. Maybe we see JC Treader. So uh, all fun stuff, fun episode, fun day, great day. Love it. Love it. Marshall, thank you so much for coming on. Jakey boy, you're the man. Get us the hell out of here. Marshall, yeah. closing thoughts. Actually. Yeah, Slim Marshall, Shady, what do you got there uh, to close this out? Um, It's interesting because the, the, the question Spencer asked there at the end has got my mind in a completely different place. Um, probably a dreamland that I'll never get to see play out in real life. But um, to Spencer's point, man, Traylon Burks would move the needle a lot for me. Uh, maybe not at 14. Maybe that's a reach. Who knows? But, uh, you know, the hell with the 4.55 speed he had on, you know, his 40-yard dash, man. He he can move out in the open field. He can get open. He breaks tackles. He's, you know, r- like a running back as a receiver. So, um, but, the, you know, to close it out, man, um, it's a good day, man. It's a good day to be a Ravens fan. Nothing, you know, they signed offensive linemen. Signed, you know, they got the, the safety, good safety plays back in Baltimore. We already saw what good safety play does for Marcus Peters, what it does for Marlon Humphrey. Um, so yeah, man, not much to complain about EDC's hammering away those at those nails. Uh, and I'm sure he'll hammer away a few more. All right, buddy. Well, appreciate that very much. Why don't you uh, let the people know where they can follow you, uh, on Twitter before we get out of here. Yeah. So you can follow me at, um, capitalize M R underscore underscore Yuri, uh, at Mr. Underscore underscore Yuri on Twitter. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us, everyone listening in. Keep an eye out for him and for us, hopefully, uh, for Twitter spaces over the next couple days here. They're probably going to be popping off as uh, the Ravens' moves continue in free agency. And obviously, with the draft heating up, they're going to be pretty big. So, yeah, thanks for hopping on with us, bud. Uh, Spence, thanks for joining me as always. You can find him on Twitter at Ravens4Dummies. You can find me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E. Follow the show on Twitter at Podcast Beatdown. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Stay tuned later in the week uh, and throughout the week, really. We, we might have some more pods to do uh, if they do, in fact, continue to make moves over the next couple of days. So just stay tuned in general. We'll probably be going live the night of if anything does happen. And uh, we also have the Beatdown Big Board now fully underway. So we're going to be recording that again on Thursday night for a Monday release next week. So stay tuned. I think we're going to be looking at the defensive linemen uh, next week. So. Stay tuned. It's going to be a fun one. Uh, It's been a fun day to be a Ravens fan, and uh, hopefully we have more coming along. But uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will talk to you again very soon. See ya. Arrivederci. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? 